Hello and welcome to episode three of the Restoring Life podcast. Uh, In this season, year, series, um, I've been exploring what I've been calling a new story of sustainability. Um, And today I'm sat with an incredible being friend, uh, Giles Hutchins, who you've no doubt heard on this podcast before, simply because our conversations are so juicy, I can't help but invite you back to talk about this. Giles is an author, a coach, a regenerative leadership practitioner, an expert, and has just published your fourth book now, I believe, um, called Regenerative Leadership, which you co-authored with Laura Storm. So wanted to talk a bit about that today, but also just in general, dive into that incredible word, which is regeneration. That seems to be cropping up on the lips of so many people across the world right now. Um, and is something that certainly for me feels a lot more alive than sustainability (laughs) as a word and a concept and seems to be guiding us, I think, into the future of this space that we both play in. So welcome, Giles. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me again to uh, riff with you. Lovely to be here. Always, always fun, isn't it? And Giles and I have literally just got in from another one of our walks in the woods in an ecosystem that in south in- south of England that is in its wa- in own way being regenerated by yes. you. So, yeah, if we were to look at that word, yes. <laughs> what yeah. what comes up for you having worked in this space for a while? Regenerative, yes. Um, what initially comes up in the front of my mind is the kind of figure of eight spiralling uh, dynamic of growth and death and rebirth and growth and development that kind of that we find within life that there are these tensions that we go through um, growing pains uh, that require some kind of rejuvenation which then leads to a next stage of growth and development that needs then rejuvenation to a next stage of growth and development. That kind right. of that kind of feeling, that pulsing. Yeah, yeah. That kind of flow. Well and I yeah, I mean I just found myself drawing that as you were speaking and um we have that it's like the microcosm and the macrocosm, isn't it? You know, we have that with the movement through the seasons hmm. as we move in and out of that kind of infinity loop from quiet sort of the the death and the rebirth into the spring again you know and um yeah i mean it's it's kind of almost more obvious when we look around the natural world and our our environments uh to see that but how are you experiencing that as a human being right now socially <laughs> yes um well it's a very interesting time isn't it <clears throat> yeah, certainly we've got this massive um um, these challenges, crises, multiple crises, really, um, and of course they're all related to um, us behaving in a unsystemic way. Yeah. And the, the funny thing is, is now we've created loads of systemic challenges that can only be addressed in a systemic way. So we're kind of being forced into it for our own uh, lack of um, awareness. Really, we've been forced into what might just wake us up. So yeah. it's these multiple breakdowns that we see in politics, in medicine in business, in uh, social society and so forth, I think are are starting to coalesce now. And um, we actually see, I think, quite a lot of very positive um, signs of uh, regenerative way coming through, Um, not just in sustainability, um, but business leadership, um, things like B Corps and business um, as a force for good, inclusive capitalism and so forth. 
also in invest investing in the investment community. Um, but across the board, um, what I see happening is almost like four circles starting to come together that have been until now kind of separate and dealt with almost as silos. One being sustainability and corporate responsibility and ethics and, and so forth. Mm. The other being leadership development and organisational development, which has its own language, its own approaches, quite different from sustainability. Uh, the other being culture, people and change and HR, which again has its own, its own area, its own specialism. And the other being uh, personal well-being, personal um, emotional and spiritual intelligence, uh, consciousness, resilience, mental health and well-being. And those four areas, mm. I believe, are now having to come together to deal with the, the challenges that we now face individually and collectively. Yeah, I, well, I agree. And actually, what, what's funny for me is, you know, if we just think about our conversation before we came on the podcast, I think one of the things we both acknowledged was uh, this sense of having been out in the world a lot and actually perhaps needing to come back, especially as we move into the winter mm. and the quieter side of that mm. loop, to our own personal well-being and our personal practices and our personal mm. resilience. And, you know, I think those four areas that you just talked about, they are inseparable really yes. you know and in with you can almost imagine within each of those four circles is a kind of yin yang is a kind of inner outer aspect and of course where they overlap in yeah. the middle is that inner and outer and it's almost like we're allowing the inner and outer to really attune to yes. sing within us because and we were talking about this in our own lives how whatever happens in our lives there is a natural tendency to drift towards the outer of yeah. fixing of getting it done I must go out and do more etc etc and there's some validity in that that needs to happen but unless we have that rooted connectedness to the inner um, we're not being regenerative and we're certainly not activating the wisdom of life which I believe is truly what makes regenerative have a capital R if mm. you like because um, there's a lot of buzz about regenerative and a lot of that regenerative buzz, whilst it talks about regenerative ag agriculture, regenerative finance and so forth, some of it is still essentially materialistic. Yeah. And I think to really step in to what life is asking of us, we need to have that inner and outer. So what is the inner aspect of regenerative? Yeah. It's this practice. It's this bringing in our own consciousness, our own truth, our own coherence right. and presence yeah right when it's funny you should say that because actually one of the things i've noticed i mean the two are in inextricably linked but the more certainly over the last couple of months as my outer arc has gotten increasingly noisy and busy in great ways but equally it's noise um the deeper my inner practice goes you know even if that is something just as being very present and truly listening mm. in every single situation that instantly shifts the tempo mm. and the frequency of the outer practice, mm. you know. So I had an incredible experience at a conference a few weeks ago um, where there was a lot of outer noise, very inspirational, very exciting outer noise and, and lots of different people doing incredible things. And there wasn't a great degree of presence mm -hmm. or real depth listening. Mm -hmm. And so being someone who works in narrative and story, that's a gift I can give people, which mm -hmm. is to bring them instantly into the mythic realm mm -hmm. and actually allow them to sink deeper and truly listen to yeah. what's going on on a much more profound level. Yeah. So, you know, I noticed almost moving like a ghost 
amongst that conference not really being there because I was so focused on the inner therefore when my outer intervention happened it was super powerful so I think there is this sense of you know the two aren't mutually exclusive and I know a lot of the leaders I work with so I'm sure you're the same it's all about finding the time and the space to do the inner practice but actually <laughs> it's really about merging those two worlds yeah. into just a daily movement through yeah. life right that becomes a yeah. regenerative life yeah. for us personally and professionally rather than yes one of the two yes and then life actually nourishes us exactly. um, which i think is what it's meant to do um <laughs> it's only when we take ourselves out of life mm. so you could argue as soon as we're kind of too mechanistic too in our head um, to outer, we we become degenerative. We take ourselves out of that attunement. And why we talk about in the book about nature's wisdom is that yeah. what we're essentially doing is just opening up to how life is. Talk about the logic of life, um, because this wisdom, this logic, is innate within how we are as human beings and innate with how life is. So it's an opening up to that, yeah. which is obviously liberating, um, because of course leaders these days have enough to get on with. And if we're not careful, we bring more stuff. Oh, look, here's regenerative. Here's, right. here's the economics. Here's different ways to do it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, that's all relevant. And it's useful that there's methodologies and there's structures and there's processes for people to do stuff. And yet what we're really asking is um, for the whole aspect of leadership and the organization to just be allowed to breathe be allowed to find its natural rhythm yeah. to become regenerative i mean frederick Leloux talks about the shift from control and predict to sense and respond and to truly sense and respond yeah that's what we do as human beings when we allow ourselves to and what we can do in teams and in groups to truly sense and respond you have to have that inner and outer yeah I agree. No, I agree. And so this is where, you know, I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about your uh, embodiment work that you do with leaders, mm. actually, because, you know, I, I agree completely. I think uh, we are in overwhelm a lot of the time. Um, you know, there's so many books, there's so many models, and there several of them are so exciting, yet mm. it can just seem like we're heaping more and more on top of what we've already got, and then it leaves you in a place where you're trying to sense through all of that information. Mm. And what I love about your work is, you know, you have that, and that's almost like the starting block, but then there's this deepening into the process. So mm -hmm. would you talk a little bit about some of the work you do on the land and in nature and bringing leaders into a different context to yeah. experience that? Yeah, well, I've found, I mean, I've been talking about the bridge between, you know, how business can learn from nature, as you know, for um, over a dozen years. And really, um, then taking leaders out into nature has always been a key part of that. But it's only been really the last four or five years that I've kind of ramped that up as a more structured approach um, and coming here to Springwood and now having these 60 acres of magical Incredible woodland. Incredible ecosystem. Yes, um, to take leaders into that space quite close to London and airports. Um, I have a kind of process that I, I take people through which is essentially about that uh, allowing the rebalancing, a shift mm. from essentially yesterday's logic if you like of, of mechanistic thinking, overly left-brained hemispheric overly outer focused overly reductive into opening up to that logic of life yeah. so we have little stages that i take people through almost like little threshold crossings and one of the things 
one, one of the parts of that early on in the day is, as you say, embodiment, right. um, is energetic body work. Um, I particularly use um, Qigong and, and Tai Chi, um, but of course I've also worked with people who use yoga. Um, I myself use yoga. It's just I've found that the more simpler and the more graceful and easy to pick up it is for a leader and the less chance there is for people to overstretch themselves. So we do some simple embodiment work, mm. which essentially is opening up the three main centers. I wouldn't necessarily communicate this to a leader. Right. Um, we just do it, which is opening up the, the, the power, the will center, um, the, the heart center, and uh, the mind um, and, and third eye center. And for, through that, what, what I'm doing is allowing those people to just open themselves up uh, to become more present, within five minutes of them doing that because we also do deep breathing through it yeah. um, so they just have a process that they're engaging in that they can then simply take back into their own life and many people many people do i met a, a lady the other day who came on one of the immersions of, a couple of years ago who's now you know she says she's now folded that into her in practice she's been practicing it for two Lovely. years and that was on, on her own quite deep journey um to help her become a more conscious leader so it's great simple things simple practices that enable people to become more present and then from that place yeah. we can go into sitting around the fire and really getting into the really the getting into of some of the you know yeah the stories that are coming up because our stories really are in transition and it's hard for me that at least is what regeneration is about mm. because there is that equal sense of to regenerate something new something old has to be let go of mm. and it's this constant in breath out breath cycle mm. of um letting go so you can let in mm. no and you could look at it in the sense that, you know, as we personally are regenerating our our worlds, our stories, our beliefs, automatically, <laughs> because we now know we live in this universe of interconnection, we're starting to see that on an organizational level as well, right? So, I mean, how does that play out? How do you see the ripple effect of some of the personal work you do with leaders in this space then rippling out into how organizations yeah. are regenerating? Well, there's, as you know, there's a, a, there is an immense excitement uh, in many organisations to shift towards what we call living systems. So, organisation yeah. as living system. Um, and but what does that what does that really mean in practice? Uh, well, yes, a part of that is self management is is being able to loosen up the hierarchy and the power and con control structure so people can just mm. um, uh, sense into what works. Um, part of that is around creating a psychologically safe environment, a culture where people can bring more of themselves to work, so it unlocks their natural energy and enables them to. And part of it, I think, is allowing people to really just empower themselves to, to make them, enable them to have faith in themselves of what they can do, that they are in inherently systemic sensors yes because um, a lot of this talk about complexity theory and living systems and so forth can find can, can you know come across as gosh it's another thing that we have to get our head around whereas actually as human beings we are naturally exquisite sensing and responding agents and by allowing ourselves to free up from our masks and um, some of our ego entrapments and distractions and so forth and yeah. get more into our heart more into our bodies we can then start sensing and responding what's really going on in the organization i think that's yeah. that's a it's an important first step um is to start being able to really feel um and comprehend the organization as a living system yeah 
Yes, absolutely. And it is a shift, even for people who have been operating in this space for a while. I know I'm working with a with a kombucha company up in the north of England, Equinox, right now, and it's an incredibly evolved leadership team. And yet we all still run up against our own stuff, you know? So it's this sense of the living system of the organization is not only in constant flux and change, um, but as soon as a new element is introduced into that system, whether it's a new person or a new product or a new way, you know, a new process, that creates a systemic shift that everybody then has to move with individually and collectively. And, and then we've added the additional kind of factor in around the community, the local community up there and that living system. And so how does that organization then interact within the wider living system and not just the human community in the Calderdale Valley in this instance, but the entire living ecosystem, mm. you know, and the river that comes through there and is prone to flooding and the air quality and the biodiversity and the, and the, and the. So I guess in a way, sometimes it can be overwhelming. Sometimes you go, oh my Lord, where do I begin mm. to co-sense? Mm. But as you said, I think when we take a deep breath and we actually start to listen very deeply to what's showing up in our immediate ecosystem, mm. then we can sense Mm. actually where to act and when mm. where to speak and when not to mm. speak how to bring certain people together mm. to actually create change and then bring the yes. entire ecosystem in to be aware of that so i think it is this it's almost like this intricate uh social acupuncture process yes. right where you're looking constantly at what's being called forth now what's yes. being called forth now well, i like the social ac acupuncture idea i mean really this is all going on anyway so yeah. the, the, the important yeah. thing to remember is it's happening anyway yeah. so all we're doing is bringing it into our conscious awareness so we don't need to start getting overruled by it it's only natural that i suppose we do because like oh my gosh you know before i was just looking at a spreadsheet and now i'm having to sense <laughs> into all of this stuff but this is happening anyway so it's not like um you know shit i need to now suddenly do something about it but what what we can do is start allowing ourselves to just become more aware of it because yes. that's what's going to inform us and i think the big piece and this is where otto sharma's work is very powerful right. peter senge's work and others is the letting go to let come that you talk about the kind of theory you going down so we as we open ourselves up to this systemic um, nature of reality is starting to be able to drop out of our own stuff our own busyness yeah. and that's where a practice a personal practice um is important so we can notice yeah. um, our own stuff and I think there's something about regularly clearing oneself or regularly grounding oneself because there are probably people in the organizations the beautiful thing about humanity and about nature <laughs> is that we've got diversity and so there's probably people in the organization that are naturally better at just focusing on getting the job done or completing finishing or getting the detail and that's great yeah. we need those people mm. we need the people who want to follow the rule or want to um, you know lock down how we do xyz and that's important um, there are also probably some people in the organization that are more naturally bent to being the kind of what we call in the book the ecosystemic facilitator right. someone who can tune in and really get a sense now i believe that 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 quality is across the board but yet there can be some people who are perhaps more aligned to being a social acupuncturist to use your phrase right. so they can sense it and i think part of our job as facilitators as a regenerative specialist, if you like, is yeah. to go into an organization, get a feel of that organization at all levels, yeah. and then start to potentially work with some of those hidden leaders yeah. because they should come from all different parts of the organization, and then start taking them through a very uh, gentle process 
um, in the woods, wherever, um, of allowing them to become more of what yeah. they can be and then those people help hold the space for the living system definitely definitely and for years i know you and i have laughed about you know this idea of the positive and negative catalyst people those pivot people who you know as you guys speak about in the book this kind of ecosystemic facilitator um but people who are just naturally sensitive yeah. you know and have this ability to listen and speak truth sometimes that's in not so helpful ways yeah. <laughs> but sometimes it's in very helpful yeah. ways and i've you know one of the things i've been a fan of for years um, as a subtle way of introducing this kind of mindful practice mm. and moments of pause into people's mm. very busy days yeah. is something I call a walk and talk. Right. So I'll literally just grab a person, you know, in the morning I'll come in, sense this system, sense into who needs a bit of love, care, attention, mm. nurturing, you know, space, just mm. safe space sometimes, and grab them for a walk and talk mm. and go down to the river or mm. go into the mm. woods or just sit back to back, actually, sometimes, mm. which I know you and I do. Yeah. You know, just sit back to back and mm. just talk. Mm. And so I think those subtle interventions for me mm-hmm. is it's you can regenerate yourself in yes. in half an hour yeah. in that way, you know. Yes, and the more we start sensing into this regenerative way of being in the world, right. the more we realise that when we're in that, turning point in the spiral which can feel challenging the shift if you like from kind of autumn into winter or the edge from kind of um, climax into having to let go into break sort of break down um, that tension part which can feel stressful actually Mm. can be very uh, energizing if we allow it to be for instance if we go for a walk and talk or we have um, some time to actually just sit with it whatever but of course everything in our makeup that we've been programmed with is telling us to do the opposite and that's right. the real challenge but if in that time you can actually allow yourself to really gain some distance and see what's going on and allow the energy to come through in a different way often it's in those moments that you get to really see the what the tension is drawing forth, what the yeah. what is what is emerging out of that tension that we're holding. And that that is liberating again because it means that actually we're okay with the winter. Yeah. We're okay with the breakdown. We're okay with the fact that we've just had a bit of a, a, an argument or we've had a discussion or something's created a problem for us because that is to create some manure yeah. for new growth if we allow ourselves to go into it. Absolutely. Uh, so that Elworthy talks about the... Um, the gem under the dragon's foot. So, you know, the dragon has this immense energy, but it can be destructive. And yet there's a gem in there. There's a, there's a, a grit, or if you like, the grit that creates the pearl yeah. that we need to be able to allow to happen in these stressful times. Yeah, because yeah, the times are not going to get any less stressful. No. <laughs> the outer world, you know, yes. has that habit of increasingly uh, giving us more, you know, and it is that idea of, of flow, of being present Mm. of being okay with whatever Mm. is showing up in the moment you know Mm. and um certainly i think these you know taking people into the woods taking Mm. people out onto the land giving people these micro pauses in an otherwise very busy noisy day um you know my um indigenous uh, relatives would say you know it's about walking in the world in a sacred way and what they mean by that is literally everyday life becomes this ebb and flow and it doesn't mean it gets easier but it actually gets more and more exquisite to use that word yes you know well i love it i'm going to add to another word then on top of exquisite (laughs) which is quintessential oh love that one too quintessence because (laughs) there's something about an essence in life yes um, and being essential to what 
is needed in that moment, to what is emerging, what life is calling forth for us, and just being true to that. And I think quintessence brings in that kind of fifth element, if you like, yeah. that um, that aspect that actually we are in service when we allow ourselves to be. What is the organisation doing? What is the organisation being? How is it showing up? And how is it truly serving life? If it's not really serving life, come on, guys. Let's get with the program Absolutely. Here. So <laughs> uh, that's why a lot of the work around purpose is really useful. Yeah. But again, it kind of tends to be, if we're not careful, just because of where we're at, even though it comes from good places, it gets packaged up and becomes an outer purpose. Yeah. Rather than something that is a what Frederick Lou calls an evolutionary purpose or, or an ecology of purpose, where yeah. we're actually living it, we're, we're bringing it through. So I love your idea of these mini interventions, um, deep listening, every day kind of being a sacred day, an opportunity yeah. to listen more deeply to what life is asking of us and then allowing our organisation to be a kind of collective vehicle yeah. for creating life-affirming futures. Yes. Well, and it's interesting, you know, just listening to you speak, I'm kind of having this image of what I would call these exquisite quintessential conversations that I find myself so honoured to have yeah. with leaders in various organisations. And sometimes they seem so simple, you know. I will literally go in and, and you know, just love someone yeah. for 10 minutes, you know, and actually really see them and hear yeah. them and be with them yeah. in that Beautiful. safe space. Yeah. And I think that in itself is this it's the simplest thing in the world you know and it's like you said this whole evolutionary regeneration is happening constantly that's just how a life works and those micro moments of awareness is what brings our attention yeah. to the fact that we are a part of that weave um, and that in itself regenerates us. I know personally I find that incredibly healing and empowering when I'm just seen, even if it's yeah. just for five minutes. You know, my whole day and week even shifts. Yeah. So to be able to gift that to other people, yeah. I find a great honour um, and certainly feel very blessed to be doing that work in the world. Yeah. Um, you know, and I can see that glint in your eye now yes. and I'm like, <gasps> I'm getting excited for all of the the work that, you know, seems to be springing forth from this ecosystem that you have found yourself in mm. here mm. I mean you know just to just to talk to that for a little bit I mean if you were to say that if you look at the interventions you're doing in not just in organizations but with individual leaders right now which ones do you think are really tipping the system right now where do you see that light come on in people's eyes and hearts and and guts and you know how are you seeing that change take I think place? a lot of people are going through significant change um I had a leader here just the other day um, just to have some time in the woods on his own and um, listen to his story a bit. And there's um, another lady who I'm doing some coaching with. Uh, a lot of people are, I mean, I, I kind of sensed this a few years ago when I left corporate life, what, seven years ago now, I sensed that what I was kind of going through mm. was a kind of precursor because it would have been easy for me to, at that top point in time, stay in corporate life because there was no reason for me to leave. I had yeah. a good job, global director of sustainability. It kind of spoke to my heart, but it, I knew it wasn't right. Um, later on, what I've noticed over the years, while I've been going through my own kind of metamorphosis, my own work, is the system is now, you know, more and more people are going, okay, okay, need to change, need to change. Time out. Mm -hmm. And I think part of our job is how do we hold space for that how do we listen to that? How do we uh, just be with that? Um, give people confidence, 
but by building a bridge. So we kind of, I feel like a lot of my work is actually meeting people where they're at and, and giving a lot of, <laughs> I mean, in a way I've kind of become almost like an academic in many regards because mm. I've drawn upon so much different leadership modalities and organizational development and theory, but I felt I've needed to so I can meet a CEO or chairman Absolutely. or a senior executive at their level and then from that place of comfort and trust take them over the bridge into helping them go through that transformation right. i think the, the the sort of the golden question that i always um explore mm. is whether that then means that that person then needs to leave the organization or whether actually the organization can be the right environment for them to help transform and that's right. that's never a, that's there's no right answer to that in many ways um, but I've seen people, um, some of the people I'm working with at the moment, um, one has, you know, has gone through um, leaving and now has, has had a space and then going and joining another organization. Nice. Another is just in the organization becoming a, a, an agent for change. Another has left and is going through a life change. So there's a lot happening, I think, mm. for people right now, a lot more than perhaps um, I sometimes give credit for. And, and, and therefore, really... <laughs> As you say, I loved your um, thing about just being and giving love to someone for 10 minutes. I mean, that's beautiful. Um, uh, and our job is to do that in a way that feels comfortable in a corporate setting, um, which is so sad, isn't it? But we can't give love. Um, but that's, it is, it's, it's those windows of right. light, you know, to, to it almost cracks to let that light in. So yes, yes. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, you know, I think what I would say is... Um, the book you've just co-authored uh, with Laura, I, I think it's possibly one of the most uh, practical, pragmatic, yet beautiful books of yours that I've read. It's a real combination of inspiration, um, real hands-on workbook stuff about, you know, here, try this, try this, try this. Have you thought about this? So I would definitely recommend for people who have found themselves with their energy being drawn to this conversation to check out uh, Giles's new book, Regenerative Leadership, um, and also to check out your work. And, you know, where can, where can people find you if they want to? I'll put all the notes in the show notes, obviously, but... Probably the easiest to remember is gileshutchins.com. Um, and yeah, um, there's also, well, there's others that I'll give you, but um, we'll put it in my, the show notes. There's my blog as well, The Nature of Business, which is which beautiful. Is always a good, a which good is way beautiful. In. Well, and of course, watch this space for emerging offerings at Springwood, Springwood Farm, um, an incredible 60 acre ecosystem that you've just taken guardianship of. And I know I'm really excited about what's emerging here, some of the offerings that are going to be co created in the next 12 to 18 months. And yeah, talk about. Uh, cocoon a womb for regeneration uh in the heart of the english countryside so yeah it's been such a pleasure it's been such a pleasure to walk with you here this morning to take some time out mm. to listen and to jam with you on this podcast yeah. thank you so much always my friend mm. thank you Shana.